0: Welcome to episode 55 of Land the Plane Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Land the Plane Podcast. My name is Dustin.
0: I'm Jonathan.
1: And we are back for episode 55.
0: It's almost like we never left.
1: I know. It's (laughs) the magic of recording. (laughs) Hey, here's what we're doing. You know we're doing this series on apologetics. And if you listen to episode 54...
0: You know it left on a cliffhanger.
1: It did. The plane did not land, people. Mm, It did not land. This is too important of a topic. So right now... We're going to continue through this Apologetics, talking about morality, talking about evil, and really kind of bringing this all together. So if you haven't listened to episode 54, you need to pause, you need to stop, yep. go back, listen to that one. Normally we wouldn't stop tell you you need doing. to do that, but this one, you need to do yeah, that. Yeah, you got to do that
0: because you will be L-O-S-T, lost. Yes,
1: yes. So go do that and then come right back here. You know,
0: I I just thought of this. You'd be lost in at The beginning of the the TV show Lost. What happened?
1: Plane crash. crash. Our plane didn't crash.
0: No, we landed it. It just took two weeks to do it, (laughs) (laughs) or two episodes to do it.
1: We will be landing it today. Two episodes. So tune in right now for part two. The plane's gonna come back by, and we're gonna take right where we left off.
2: There are horrific things that are happening. We've we've got people in power that that get arrested for abusing children. We've got peop, We've got preachers. It hasn't been that long ago, right here in Saline County. I watched a preacher go to prison for molesting his adopted daughter. That's that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. How how can someone who stands in front of a church and proclaims God's word? Do such an evil thing? Why? Why does it exist? How can it occur? How can a good God let that thing happen? So I'll let y'all answer that. I'll sit back, Jonathan. It's, wait, <laughs> I was there first. Wait,
0: I thought that's why we were paying him to come in. Oh wow! <laughs>
2: You've double
0: not tried to double
2: my check, paycheck, and I—it's <laughs> will
1: not hard to double that paycheck. I get right there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I mean so but yeah, and i I want to avoid answering that question for a second, because morality I, I mean, I think you're making a good point of I just want want to build off that a little bit. We may think there the as a Christian Christianity or in just general, I think a lot of people would maybe potentially say morality could be traced back to the Bible when they say do not kill, do not steal, and that's like what we build this upon. But in a world of that according to science, if we go or or the route of old earth, you know, it's been a long here, thirty something million years, however many millions of years it is anymore. I don't even know. But it's been here that long. Bible was written two thousand years ago. There was morality well before that. Or we just wouldn't be here. Right? I mean, can we argue that can we say that? Is that a fair statement? Not, me, not morality before somebody could put it into place, but just like, I mean, people knew right and wrong before a Bible was written.
2: And, and we'll start to bring a little bit of Bible history into this. We're, we're not to the point. Um, next, next topic, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bible, but I think this topic requires a little bit of Bible history. Um, we, we believe that God created uh, an earth that was good he he that he looked at it the the humans he looked at the animals he looked at the physical earth and the universe and said it was good it's very good in fact and and somewhere along the line man went astray and and so if we teach we believe that God created this and had He exists outside of all this, then He knew what was going to happen with His creation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I know Christians and people that like Christianity don't like when people start insinuating that God created something that led to evil. But I think we have to be honest and face up that God created a universe that had the capability of committing evil. I see
0: frozen where, faces. Here's where I want to... so. Um, one one argument, and this goes along with this. Although it's we're turning left just a tad bit, but yep. we'll get right back to it. Um, one argument that is used sometimes is okay. You say that God created everything, and that evil is a thing, and so that God must have created it. I mean that that seems like a logical. That seems
2: like a logical progression.
0: Yeah, um, and then the the last hard kind of so far we've been kind of talking about how evil is a thing but is evil truly a thing
2: and that's where i think we need to be real clear and talk about for a little bit yeah <laughs> um well, cuz i think
1: most people would say there i think i've heard this argument that there is evil so that we know what good is
0: or is if there? You, can't
1: ha, you don't have a left hand if you don't have a right hand. Or then you just is have there a hand. simply evil yeah.
0: because we do know what good is? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the question. I mean, this an argument I, I think about forward. it like this. So let me ask you this: If God created everything, is darkness a thing?
1: <laughs> I thought he was looking at Bobby.
0: <laughs> no, I know he's not looking at me on this one.
1: <laughs> so if God created everything, is darkness a thing? Is darkness a thing? Yes, it's a thing.
0: It is? Why not?
1: You're saying it's just darkness that is non-existent?
0: Yeah, it's the absence of light. Darkness is not a thing.
1: I think if I watched Will of Fortune and the category was a thing, darkness would be in there.
0: But do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. We, We think about darkness as a thing, but darkness in and of itself is simply the absence of light. It's like eating a donut hole. Now, obviously, we we create those little things and call them donut holes, but you can't have a donut hole unless you have the donut. Have you ever tried just eating the hole? You know, it's like a shadow is a shadow, a thing.
1: Right. And I, and I'm agreeing with you, but I'm saying with the justification of things created by society is that there has to be evil. So we know what's good. We have to be sick sometimes. So we know what's, Healthy feels like. I mean, I've I've heard that as a justification yeah. for yeah. those types of things happening, um, but that's probably a, a very naive look at it of what's truly going on behind the scenes. I think,
0: I, but I, I I actually think it's it's very. I, I think it's a good way to look at it, especially if you look at like what if if we look at evil as the absence of good, then. What's the opposite of loving your neighbor? Hating them, right? And we would say that, that hating them is wrong. You know, what's the opposite of giving life, taking life? What's the opposite? You know, for just about everything that you can think of that we would say that is evil, that the opposite of that would be good. So I think more than... I, I think God created... um Within us that moral law, and it's an objective moral law. There, there is a standard, and I think <clears throat> deviation away from that is where we see evil.
2: And it? I'm, I'm going to steal from C.S. Lewis. If I Dang draw, it. if I draw a line on a board, can you tell if that line is straight or crooked
1: mm-hmm.
2: by looking at it? Correct. Yeah. But the only way that you can tell that that line is crooked is if you know what straight is. Right. If you don't know what straight is, then any line could be straight. And so evil is a perversion of good. All the, all the impulses, and, and C.S. Lewis goes so far in mere Christianity to say that all the impulses that God built within us are good unless they are perverted in some way. And, and we have built on those perversions given time, and actually, I'll throw in again a little bit of preview, the Bible predicts that man will create new ways of doing evil as time goes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: See, I think that's what makes this, this a challenging topic, because of course we've, we've obviously said before this is going to be a challenging topic, is when I think of a God and a creator and designing a moral law, when, when I put all that together, uh, and I look at Christianity and what I know about it and all these things in the God of the Bible and Jesus and this and that, it's real easy for me to understand the concept of good and evil. But when you step outside of that realm into a world now where we've, we're we kind of laying the groundwork that there is something there, we, we get that, but I can see the difficulty of of where does that idea of evil come from unless evil is just immoral is that all evil is
2: i think you in in my mind again something is evil if if it is a perversion or an absence of good right you can you can take anything that is good and turn it into something evil. You can take the trust and and belief that people have in the pastor of their church, and the pastor can turn that into controlling those people. I, as a teacher of young men at church, could teach those young men in such a way as to pervert their beliefs in god if i so choose to do Mm. and so we we take and and so when as we're starting to define what evil is just a little bit it is it is either a perversion of or the absence of good right and so that's that's how we begin to look at it so when you're when you're dealing with things even even things such as a cancer a cancer is, is a cell that is, I, I guess for a lack, I, I have no medical knowledge, but it's basically a cell that poisons your body. It, it is a perversion of the, it's a cell, mm-hmm. but it's a perversion of the good cells in your body. And even going back to your, I, I love sports analogies, don't get me even started on those, <laughs> but we talk about cancers in the locker room can, can destroy a team.
1: Something that's great, a great team. A
2: great team. Takes one. You can, you can put one cancerous individual in that locker room, and, and they can destroy a team. You can put a bunch of gossips in a church, and they can destroy a church. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can take anything that is good. You can take a doctor's office and, and take someone that mistreats people, and they, they start losing patients. Or, or maybe someone that doesn't pay attention to what a patient is telling, and, and the patient can die. It's, it's an evil, and, and those are just every... I, I don't even have to talk about the big evils like murder. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. And we've not... Uh, one thing, we've not used the word sin. No. I don't think. No. Um, but normally we would think that if it's sin, it's evil, That kind of the same thing. And even like the origin of the word sin simply means like to miss the mark. Yeah. You know, to go astray. Sort of an archery term. Uh, yes, it's an archery term. So if you don't hit the target... The amount that you went astray is the amount of sin. Um, And so I think that's, yeah, I I think we can simply say that evil is, that, yeah, how far perverted the good is, is is that evil. Um, And and so I I just wanted to, it was, like I said, there's a little detour around saying, is, is evil an actual thing or is it the lack of something else you know is it the perversion of something else um and i think that's so anyway i think we ought to get right back to where (laughs) where you were going because i know where you were well and where you were heading which is the hardest maybe the hardest
2: yeah and and one thing i want to say here just just before we dig deeper into that is we're not talking about something called dualism we're we're not talking about two entities, it's one guy, good and one evil.
0: Hamilton in trouble, right? It's dueling. It's like, With an A, Alexander not an E. Hamilton.
2: I love when people misspell my name that is though. Alexander Hamilton.
0: Oh yes, duel instead of duel.
2: Like when they're talking about recruits and quarterbacks and if he's a dual threat and they spell it D-U-E-L. Mm, I always yeah. wonder if he shot people.
0: <laughs> Only when he's in the shotgun <laughs> formation. Yeah.
2: Sorry, that's, that's bonus. You don't even have to pay me for that yeah. one. That's why we stay away from those sports analogies. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep going down that road. See what you started. Pull me away from the Razorback baseball game. Start talking about sports and I, I can't go away. Um, but, but we are not talking about a situation where, because none of the evidence points towards a dualistic nature of the universe with an all-powerful good and an all-powerful evil that are at war. All the evidence points to an entity, and again, we're, we're just not there yet. I know some people want, want me to get there, but we're not there yet. Talk about an entity that created, that designed, that fine-tuned, that gave out a moral law now tonight, and, and now we're talking about the this twist, this something that happened, to allow for this very good thing, to allow evil, and and is this something that that God just couldn't control? If there's a God that he that he didn't care, did he just wind it up and let it go? What what caused that? What what happened there? And and that's something that is. Don't let this sound like just just a, a cute phrase. It's all about choice and and it all boils down to that one little six letter word, choice. Um, again c s Lewis said he he created beings that are like himself in that they have a mind that they can decide, that they can choose. And and what I took from that and, and kind of twisted around to was that we could overcome any of the laws that God created because he gave us that ability and that choice. And, and there are men and women everywhere, including myself, that make good and bad choices. Um, you were talking about addicts a few minutes ago. And um, just just a little aside, I love addicts. I really do. I've worked with a lot of addicts in my time and and I'm not saying that jokingly. I'm not saying that facetiously. I love to work with addicts um, because one thing that you can you you get to do with addicts over and over and over and over again is you get to tell them maybe for the first time in their lives or maybe the first time they've just ever really taken it in is they're worth it. They're worth your time, and they are. They're people that are just as good as we are, and, and some better. I know a lot of them that are better than me. But um, we, we have choice, and, and sometimes we can't see that choice, or we make that choice without thinking very well, but God created us in his image. Those are, those are some words that can be taken apart for days. He, he created, he, he didn't want, I believe that this is what is taught. And, and again, I believe this is what the evidence shows and, and the, the character traits that we've learned that God didn't create a, a race of zombies or a race of slaves, he wanted a race of children. And and I wonder sometimes if if I would have ever even other people may be capable of it. I don't think I could have comprehended that unless I had had children, because it rocked my world. Yeah. Uh, when my my all three of my children when they were born, it just rocked my world because I never understood what love meant till that day.
0: And especially when, uh, for me, with having kids, it's like one thing that I know that I love them, mm-hmm. you know, it's another story when they walk in and they're just like, they don't want anything, they don't do and they just walk over and put their arms around you. I love you, daddy. I'm like, okay, what do you want? No, <laughs> I just want, you know, and... And when you realize that you like that's that that's worth it all. Yeah. You know, is that they turn around and choose you, you know.
2: Um mine are a little older and um phone rings and and you see it's your kid and you say hello and and you get I'm just walking to school and just want to talk to you on the way. Mm hmm it's that same and and god created a race guys that he he loves us just like i love my kids they can't do anything about that they can't stop that and and i think he created the way we have in rear children to teach us just a tiny bit about how he feels about us and he he created us in such a way that we have that choice to call Him up on the way and say, Hey, I just want to talk to you. Just want to have a conversation with you. And yet the danger, the risk that He was willing to take in that type of creation that in God's eyes was a perfect, quote, very good creation was that there would be those who would say, no, I don't want to talk to you.
0: Hmm. Yep. So kind of the, so moral freedom. Yes. Is kind of the what we're talking about. Um, in that, that God has given us the ability, the freedom to make moral choices. Um, to make the choice whether to basically obey or to disobey his moral law and the the reason the reason that he did that was because you can't have um you you can't have freedom to to choose you can't have freedom to love you can't have freedom of of that choice and at the same time have no choice you know I mean that doesn't even like it just doesn't make sense so he didn't create a race of robots and while we on the you know on the surface it's like wow I wished he did because then there wouldn't be any you know bad things going on there wouldn't be any evil all those kind of things why doesn't he just take all that choice away now do we really want him to
2: (laughs) How many wars have been fought over freedom? All of them. Yeah. So we we think it's okay to fight a war for people to be killed by the hundreds of thousands for freedom. And, and basically, you can pretty much boil down all wars to some type. One side or the other is seeking freedom. Mm-hmm and and we or think or to
0: enslave
2: or to enslave yeah. but the slaves are fighting back for, for their for freedom. freedom yes yeah and and we're we we think it's okay it's awful but it's okay to fight and to die for freedom it's heroic but then we want to turn around and tell god that you shouldn't have given us our freedom because some people are going to choose not to be part of God's family. God has given that choice not to, you know, I'm I'm assuming from everything, I've never met Richard Dawkins, but I'm assuming from everything I've read from him and listened to him speak that he doesn't want eternity with God.
0: I've got a quote here that would kind of prove that.
2: I, I, you have a wonderful quote that would prove that. Do we want to talk about that one right now? If you want to. Sure.
0: Um, I'm not going to read all of it because, honestly, I can't pronounce some of the words. <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, another quote from Richard Dawkins. It says, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. Uh, Now we're going to start getting into words that I can't pronounce. Homophobic, racist, uh, yeah, I can't pronounce that. Genocidal, pestilential, I mean, sadomasochist. That was a good one. And he ends it with capriciously malevolent bully. That, that that is based on the evil that Richard Dawkins sees in the world. That's how he describes God. But he's also the person who said that the universe that we presi- observe has precisely the properties we should expect. If there's at bottom, there's no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, no justice. But yet he blames God for being unjust.
2: And and let me just throw out a, a lifeline to Dawkins there. He he is specifically talking about the God of the Old Testament. Okay, he is taking and and we as Christians need to be capable of responding intelligently to this criticism. He is taking the Old Testament laws and and history, and he doesn't like the way God treated people. Now, there's, there's two ways to, to look at the, the argument of evil and, and whether it's consistent with the existence of God. There is the intellectual argument and the emotional argument. Okay? One, the intellectual argument just simply says that original question that I asked, is the existence of evil inconsistent with the existence of God the second the emotional argument is is basically if you boil it down to I've looked at what all God has done and I'm looking at the world I live in today at what God allows and I don't like him I mean that those are the two mm-hmm. now it's it's very almost simplistic, but we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit more later. The intellectual argument against God doesn't work really well when you actually get to know what the Bible says about God, His purposes, and what He has done. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that a little bit later because we have to get into the, the Bible some since since we're down to that point. The, the emotional argument that Dawkins presents in that quote doesn't really speak to whether God exists. It just says, if the God that's presented in the Bible exists, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard someone close to me say that that this person mistreated me terribly when I was younger. Not going to get into any details, but this person mistreated me terribly. And and if I understand Christianity correctly, this person can repent of their sins and go to heaven. And if God's going to allow that person into heaven, I don't want any part of that God. That is not an intellectual argument against God. That is, I don't like His rules. Mm-hmm. And And folks, I'm not downplaying any of the evil, please don't think I'm downplaying any of the evil that has happened to people. But taking your, your evil that you've experienced in life and disliking God does not disprove his existence. And, and as you were saying, Jonathan, that's more the med school looking at it and not trying to be a cute phrase. Mm-hmm. There can still be a God there, even if you don't like what He allows or what He somehow makes way to happen in this world, mm-hmm. and that's hard. Yeah, that's where this stuff gets real deep and real murky.
0: Yeah, but even in that, in in that kind of, for instance, in that example. We're actually going to, we will end up getting back to that a little bit, but without that, he has to give that same moral freedom to do the heinous things. In some ways, you can look at that as being the same as as the moral freedom to, to eat the fruit. Yeah. You know, or to disobey our parents or to you know, lie and cover up what we've done because we don't want to get in trouble or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so we've all done, you know, wrong things. He's given us that moral freedom. We, we've done those wrong things. And again, we look at it on a scale of those things that I really don't like Versus those things that I don't really mind, you know, I don't yeah. mind a, a, a little white lie here and there. I don't mind cheating on my taxes if I can, you know, um, all the way up. And it just, and and you, I think you have to go back to the medical school kind of thing and say, if this is an absolute lawgiver, an absolute moral lawgiver, then one act of violence or one cheating or one whatever it is, they're all breaking the law. Yeah. There's no, you know, I, I do believe there are um, differences of sin. Even Jesus on the cross said that that those um, basically that had turned him over are, are guilty of the greater sin. So I think there are levels of sin and, and injustice, but... It's, it's like cracking an egg a little bit or a lot, you know? Either way, the egg's cracked, Yeah, you know? And so we have to kind of, I think in looking at this and, and just looking at big picture things, we have to be able to, to step back and look and say, one moral failure is, is in many ways the same as any other moral failure. It's breaking that moral law. That that we were given the choice to to break, and that's you know, and um, one thing I was I was reading uh, or listening to, basically they said that um, that something good made evil possible, in that in that God made evil possible, in that in that moral freedom that you know the kind of the dilemma that we're finding ourselves in. What's thinking double D? my
1: brain's all over the place to be honest with you. I mean, it's just it just keeps traveling back and forth between, you know the idea of 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 evil like I know how we've been defining how we've been talking but um when I start thinking of and I'm I'm going way off script here. But when I start thinking of you don't have a script. I don't have a script. <laughs> yeah, It's not possible to go off as as a believer in in Jesus and God and Satan and good and evil. When I hear the word evil, it's hard for me to just accept evil as an idea of, of um, uh, what'd y'all say? Or a lack
2: of a lack of, or perversion of good.
1: Yeah. It's hard for me to think of evil just as that, because I feel like there is also a, a great influence over evil in the world or or trying to get us to a lack of, of good. I think there's a power out there that helps with that. So my question, I guess, is what I've been going back and forth in my head with, and we think we think as, as this progress goes on, can I guess with the law of morality, can learned behaviors eventually make us forget the law of mortality? Or is it something that's so ingrained in us that can ne- it cannot be unlearned. I don't know if that's the right, the right word. Yeah. Because I mean, I can tell you that something's blue when I mean, everybody else believes it's green. But if I start with you when you're a day old and convince you through five and don't let anybody else see you that that's yeah. green and that's blue, not green, then they're going to be questioning that later. You know, like, well, the world's telling me it's. <coughs> Yeah. Green, but it's really blue, you know?
0: No, I I think absolutely you can't and I think that's how Hitler got to where he was. And I think that's how honestly many things in the United States are going on when we I mean we we choose to ignore those things that are right in front of us all the time. Even I mean, boys aren't called boys and girls aren't called girls. Yeah. And that's that that is the most basic of things. And yet we're we're I think you might have used the word programming. We're like programming ourselves to view things differently. Um and if you read again, we're kind of going back to the Bible, God said this would this could happen, you know? Um, and that basically he would the, the he would basically give us over and say, if you if you want rid of me, then just go go for it you know and it's almost like if you if evil is the absence of good and god is is good and god is kind of the the yardstick for all good then what happens when we ask god to leave the room and that's kind of what we've done right i mean that it, it's especially like in america i feel like that's what we're doing every day is just asking god to leave us alone well, what happens when the author of good <laughs> leaves the room? What we're left is, with is is the perversion of all that is good. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you can definitely callous yourself, um, or or ignore that moral law long enough, or even be taught, you know, in a certain way. We're all um, subjects of our culture, and I mean, there's all kinds of different things that we believe that are totally different than other, you know, places in the world may not be like moral different, like right and wrong necessarily. But I mean, there's still places that, you know, like arranged marriages and all that when we're like, that's weird. How can (laughs) you possibly, you know, do that? And it's, it's a cultural thing there. But I think when you get down to the morality of it, i I've not done this because I'm not going to subject kids to it, but I'm guessing if you go up to any, you know, four or five year old kid, and and tell them, um, and I I don't want to make this about another subject, but tell them what abortion is, and ask them if it's right or wrong, they're going to choose wrong, because they've not been taught otherwise.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's it's incredibly scary. To think about there is a reality that this world could one day get to, and it probably will, that that morality that's written in our hearts, been written there forever, mm-hmm. is going to be so, all the behaviors that are going to be learned are going to be so against that, that how quickly is it forgotten? Mm-hmm. And once you break down one, then you just go to the next one.
0: Yeah. And it, 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 you end up where Michael Ruse said you'll end up. That that there would be no morality in society would collapse, and each and every one of us would suffer. You know. So that's, I think, I think that's the natural path that it goes. If we if we just keep on going down that path, I feel like Bobby is looking at us going. <laughs> I got the answer to all this. No, no,
2: actually I'm I'm looking at you going I'm going to have to ignore some of the stuff you're saying because you're leading me to get on one of my soapboxes <laughs> and it would take about 30 minutes of me ranting and I mean ranting to um, for me to do that soapbox and I ain't going there.
1: Yeah, and we don't need to go there, but it'd be so easy to because there because our our society right now is such a picture of
2: morality fading. And and again, you're going to get me going.
1: Yeah. I don't mean to.
2: Because because <laughs> we in the church many times expect culture and society to act the way we expect them to. That's dumb. We, if we read that book that we're supposed to be reading, you know, they call it the Bible, it says that the heart of man is rebellious to God. And, and we want to make those people that are naturally rebellious to God, because that's where they are, act like us. Or act not necessarily act like us, because I don't act right, but we want them to act like Jesus. And yet, we're not willing to get out of our church buildings and go share the gospel with them. We'd rather rail at them or talk bad about what they do instead of going out and sharing the gospel every day with them, getting out of our church buildings. Mm -hmm. So that soapbox can be a whole lot longer because personally, I blame me with culture's failures. And, And there was this really... Neat guy, I think he was um, Wesley, John Wesley maybe, Mm -hmm. that said— The Wesleyan
0: Foundation and all that.
2: That um, said some—and I'm not sure I may have the wrong person, but he said something along the lines of, Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I'll change the continent. Well, they didn't change the continent by legislating it. Mm -hmm. They changed the European continent by sharing the gospel— and and so i'm sorry let's let's get back let's wind back in because we don't need to go there we could we could do a whole
0: yeah absolutely um and i don't think we're saying that that society is like choosing i, I think it's more of looking outside from the outside looking at society and seeing where things are going not blaming or not you know throwing where the credit is due or whatever. Um I think most of most of the United States problems is because Christians have sat down and shut up for way too long. Yes. Um
2: but we've sat down and shut up about the gospel.
0: Right. Yeah. We're, we we want really we want to talk we want to talk about,
2: talk about <laughs> all the stuff people do bad. Yeah. We don't want to share the gospel because we're shared to say the word Jesus.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean yeah. Okay. No, I, soap boxes. Got to stay away from. Because <laughs> I was fixing to go jump on one too. But okay. So like, but I think it, it's healthy. Well, health, maybe healthy in this conversation to understand that morality has existed and has always existed, even before things like a Bible was written to tell us about it or anything like that. It existed beforehand, uh, because when you set when you can set back and look at the decline of something then you know it existed. Yes. It exists. Right. If you, if, and I think about snow. One day it snows, slowly the snow starts to melt, mm-hmm. and eventually it's gone. And it was there. Like, we know it was there, and we watched it slowly go away. I think the problem is, and this is one of those soapbox things I won't go into, I was going to make a statement, is we all contribute to the decline of morality. Even I agree. Christians. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because I don't know how many yeah. hungry people I've driven by. How much money I kept to myself that I could have shared. I mean I can go through a whole line of stuff. Yeah. And shows you watch, what you support. Well and I'm not gonna judge and you I'm not going down that that's not what I'm saying this stuff for, but we all have a hand in that.
2: Stealing another line from CS Lewis. See, Bobby's all about stealing. That has been that has been failure (laughs) burning burning in me all week. He's talking about charity, about giving. And he said, how much should the Christian give? Well, I think he should probably give till it hurts. And and speaking from C.S. Lewis' perspective, my idea of this is that if you have enough wealth to engage in all the leisure activities you want to, then you're probably not giving enough. And I'm thinking, Wow. Am I giving enough till it hurts am i uh, and and I but the evil winding us back in um I mean I don't mind the,
1: mean to brag, but there was two new discs that came out today <laughs> that I really wanted for my disc golf. and I said no guys good
0: deal <laughs> I said um, no <laughs> I said no, but I told my kids father's day is in June
1: I didn't even give one of those um subliminal passive aggressive <laughs> comments to my wife like. I wanted these, but I didn't get it, yeah, you know, I kept it quiet but.
2: yeah, one reason this topic guys, is so hard to talk about is is because in our faith, we believe in something called the sovereignty of God,
0: as if we didn't have enough to talk about I know it, Bobby,
2: <laughs> well, I mean, this is gonna kind of shift our gears a little bit again, but we believe in something called the sovereignty of God and and what what that sovereignty means is that not only does god make the rules but he is the rules he he defines good if if we believe as christians are supposed to he defines it by his very nature and actions and so i'll I'll tell you guys something real simplistic we're never going to have all the answers I, I can't tell that person why they lost a child. I, I can't tell that person why something bad happened in their life. I'm I'm not going to say, "Well, your mama sinned, or you sinned, or something like that." No. I'm I'm not going to say that because yes. Jesus, in Scripture, has examples where the apostles look at him and say, "Who sinned, him or him or his family?" And Jesus said, "None of them." And and it was like, you you guys don't think broadly enough. But I'm God, and I can I can answer those questions. Well, we're not, and we can't answer those questions. And so, or at least we,
0: in some things, yes, absolutely, we can answer. In other things,
2: I don't think we want to answer. Probably not. You know, I I I didn't think that was where you're going, but I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I just because the. Because we may not like the answer.
2: Yeah. You know. And and there may not this side of, of eternity of heaven, there may not be a good answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Um, I, I one of my great failings is I don't read the book of Job very well. Job Job is the story for anyone that doesn't know, it's the story of man who was very wealthy and had a big family and and God allows Satan to let some calamity happen and he loses his whole family and loses almost all of his wealth. And and yes, at the end of the story, he gets new kids. whoop do. I I personally don't like the story. Yeah. But at the end of the story, God comes back and says, Hey Job, where were you when I created the world? Mm. And and the bottom line, Job, I'm God and I'm enough. And so one, one thing I heard from Beth Moore years ago, she's, she's one of my favorite Bible teachers. She said, when everything else in your world is gone, when you have nothing else and no one else, and all you have to turn to is God, you're going to find out He's more than enough. Mm-hmm. And, and anybody out there that's, that's hurting, that's having difficulties, that's the only pearl of wisdom I can give you. Now, there may be a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there smarter than me, I'll tell you that real quick. But that's that's the pearl of wisdom, that ha- having been through a little bit of tragedy in my life and, and having been through some tragedy sometimes of my own making in my life, I, I will tell you that that when when you get there and nothing else is there, God still is. And so I, I think that's a good segue, a shift into so why? Mm-hmm. Why would he allow is there a meaning? Is there a purpose? Is there a reason for all this evil to exist? And, and that's that's where it gets even harder. And and that's where you've really got to say, if if I'm gonna take that step and believe in this God, and and I'm gonna set aside all the evil that exists is is there a reason can can that be justified in my mind where i can accept this god that richard dawkins is able to talk so bad about Mm -hmm. and and one of my one of my favorite people uh, there's there's quite a few uh, because we've kind of lost perspective in in our health and wealth culture that we have because in in america i think this is my opinion we, we think that if you have wealth, you're blessed. If you have a house to live in, you're blessed. If I have a couple of cars in the garage, I'm blessed. All these things are blessed. Well, there was, there was a guy one time, a long time ago, he probably became a Christian in about the year AD 36, 37, somewhere in there. And, and he became a Christian when God stopped him on a road with a big bright light. It's a pretty cool situation. And, um, he, he was a, a really good Jewish teacher. Um, he, had, he had learned at the at the feet of one of the greatest Jewish teachers in the world at the time, a guy named Gamaliel and and he turned his whole life around. he, he quit as, as a Pharisee, which was one of the religious leaders at the time, and and decided he was going to follow this new way. And and in following this new way, this guy, was beaten numerous times, was stoned, was shipwrecked, was, was severely mistreated, put in jail numerous times, and eventually beheaded. And, and all the way to his grave, do you know what he kept doing? He kept sharing the gospel. And one, of, one of my favorite parts of Paul's life was when he was at trial before these two very high leaders right before he was sent to see Caesar himself and he tried to share the gospel using apologetics with them i mean it's incredible and he looks at them and and he says you know what i'm saying is true yeah and and so if i can if i can read a little quote to you Paul said he was so utterly burdened beyond his strength that he despaired of life itself. Quote, his experiences were not trivial, but they were brutal. Then he refers to all these experiences he had as a light and momentary affliction. Now that's crazy. This guy had been beaten, left for dead, arrested, just every every kind of mistreatment that you could possibly consider and yet he had this really cool attitude that can be summed up in a very short phrase to live as Christ and to die as gain and and that's that's the only way I can talk about the basis for evil The Bible goes on and tells us that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. The hope of glory is what keeps Paul from losing hope as he continues to carry out the difficult mission of carrying the light of Jesus to the world. I love those phrases. I love that story because in the next couple of episodes, the next couple of topics, we're going to talk about the truth of it mm-hmm. and how we know that those sayings are real and true. And and then we go on to the story of of my my favorite non-biblical one was Polycarp. And Polycarp was an apostle of John, you know, John the Beloved, the mm-hmm. and and Polycarp was was preaching and and he he, for a time, kind of hid away, but finally he said, "No, just let them arrest me." And when they came to arrest it, arrest him. Do you know what he asked to do? He asked to pray. This decrepit eighty-year-old man. They sent the whole SWAT team after. It's a great story. There's a, there's actually a letter written near that time that describes his his martyrdom. Uh, he asked to pray, and he stood and prayed for an hour. Wow. Yeah. Eighty years old. And and all he he goes and and they take him to the town square to burn him alive, and they start to bind him up, and he looks at him and he says, You don't have to bind me, God's gonna give me the strength to endure. And as they burned him to alive, he continued to preach the gospel. We don't have that attitude today.
1: No. It may be one of the greatest things that the world has taught us, or evil, or whatever you want to call it, is that death is a horrible thing, like physical death. Yeah, and it's and it shouldn't be. Like I don't, I'm not eager for it. You know, I'm not excited about how it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go certain ways. You know, I can say that, but I mean, just hearing that story just reminds you that, man, they, they. Relish that opportunity almost because, hey, they knew what was going to happen afterwards. I mean, they knew where they were going.
2: It was the belief, the stated belief of the apostles and the first century Christians that to be mistreated and to suffer and, yes, to even die simply made them more like Jesus because that's what he did. That's what he did. And, and they went to their grave. And part of what caused Christianity to spread through that time was their response. They didn't have a warring, fighting response to the persecution. That persecution, that evil, motivated them to share the gospel even more. And, and the bottom line, guys, in this entire discussion is that the existence of evil can serve a purpose. We can see that the world is twisted and does need this God that we've been describing for weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. It needs it. And it's, he has chosen, think about this a second, this same God that exists outside the universe that created it all with the snap of a finger, or a word, or whatever he did to create it, out of nothing. He wants to use somebody as flawed as me to share his word. If that's not just shocking and something that you have trouble getting over with, just just keep thinking about it, mm-hmm. because it's amazing. And And that's something I heard a preacher say one time. I don't think Paul ever got over the fact that God chose him. And I hope that we don't either. It can teach you. Instead of asking why me, ask what can I do with this? What can God do with this? What can this God that created the universe do with this? Because he has made another promise in Scripture. He said, All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Jesus answered that real quickly: "Love God and love others. Love God and love others. That's simple." Yeah.
1: Sometimes when I'm feeling my most down, like I have periods of you know just doubt, you know you question your value, you do all those things, and yet, or you're going through something difficult, and you say, "Why me?" I think the thing I've always tried to tell myself and to remind myself every time I ask, "Why me?" Or, you know, why am I going through this or whatever? I followed up with the question is, why did God love me so much that he sent his son to die for me? Like, I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. You know, of this evil might be going on. I feel like it's evil or it's terrible. It's a disease, whatever it is. Why me? And the same question, next question to me is the ultimate good. Why me, God? But also, why did you why did you send your why did you love me that much yeah. yeah that you would be willing to do that and and that's a heck of a follow-up question to to a terrible question so yeah.
2: i was i was teaching class one time years and years ago this has been well it's been nearly 30 years ago and um bad things were going on in in life at the time and and i remember because i had i was it, things were bad enough that i had went to class totally unprepared the bad had started late saturday night and so i I just was my mind was gone and and so all i did to prepare to teach that class was pray that i didn't have anything else i got to class that morning and and i'm still convinced that that i didn't come up with this by myself and and i i cried a whole lot that day i remember that real well (laughs) But um, I looked at that class and I said, you know, our, after we become Christians, the rest of our life is kind of like a staircase. And and we're supposed to keep going up that staircase and and trying to become more like him and getting closer to him as we go. And I said, the, the neat thing about this staircase, the interesting thing about this staircase is all the treads are different heights. And And some of those treads, you go up and you don't even really notice you're going upward. They're just... Barely, barely up. But then every once in a while in, in your life, you're going to find a tread that that you definitely can't step up on and you can't jump and reach it. And, and no matter what you do, you, you, can't, you can't get there. You can't climb up that tread. It's those treads when you fall down on your knees that he reaches down and pulls you up. Those treads that you can't handle. The, the, one of the greatest lies in this world is God will never put more on you than you can handle. That's a lie. God is going to put more on you than you can handle. If He only gives you what you can handle, you are God.
1: Yeah. what's His purpose?
2: And, and so when we hit our knees and He lifts us up on that next tread, that's when we get the closest. And, and that's we, we want to talk about the basis and the reason that, that God in His sovereignty might have allowed evil. We can't comprehend His greatness without having seen some of it. And until we understand our weakness and our need for this God that we've been talking about, we can't be who we were truly created to be. That's all I got.
0: So, in these last few minutes, we you kind of been talking about, um, like we had mentioned that that something good made evil possible. Yeah. That that you know God made evil possible through giving us moral freedom. Um, and and is it possible for Him to get rid of all evil? Yes. Yeah. Uh, The destruction of humanity. Yeah. Is is what that's simply the answer. Um, I don't think we like that answer and no. we wouldn't really want him to do that. So in, in some ways we put him in a weird position of saying, God, we want you to get rid of all evil, but you, we don't want you to get rid of us. Yeah. You know? Um, because we are evil. That, that is, that is, um, we, we really like, you know, quoting John three sixteen. <laughs> um, that that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes Him not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, problem is, it goes on a little bit further, and it talks about why Jesus had to come, mm-hmm. and it was because we we only choose darkness, yeah. we choose evil a- a- every day, we choose evil, and we break the moral law of God. Um, now we can blame Him and say, "Well, you gave us the choice, you know, so it's your fault." um but we don't really want him to get rid of it uh, I, in listening to some of this one of the guys you know basically said if you know if if god said okay tomorrow at noon i'm getting rid of all evil who's going to be left on planet earth at 1201 you know um because we we are we choose evil um and so but the the good and if we just ended right there then then that would be terrible. But, you know, you, you've been talking about kind of honestly what God is, is doing to get rid of evil, you know, and what God has done. God actually, he not only stepped in and, and, and you know, we've kind of said he made evil possible, but he, he's also the solution right, to the evil.
2: He was know? willing to come down and confront it. Yeah. He was willing to come down and experience it he he was willing to come down and even though he lived without committing those evils as as fully human and fully god he he chose to to humble himself and and take the form of a human and to allow humans to not just torture him and kill his body physically but to demean him, and to ridicule him, and and then he took on all the weight of that. He was willing to do that. And so he physically experienced the evil that we are so quick to say was horrible.
0: Yeah, and he will. Here's the thing: God will one day wipe out all evil. Yeah. He will, um, but his timeline is his timeline, and honestly, for us, it, that's good, because if he wipes out evil right now, then there's many, many, many who will not know him. Yeah. Um, so he is he is waiting. He is being patient and, and calling us. And obviously, the answer to all of it is Jesus. Yeah. Um, who who came to get rid of evil in the future? You know, at, at the final judgment. But between him dying on the cross and or really between Adam and Eve, I mean between creation and that final judgment, then then Jesus is the ultimate answer to the evil that we see. You know, but we can we can be saved from retribution for that evil. We can be saved from punishment for the evil that we have done. We can be be granted in eternity without evil, all because of what Jesus did, and uh, and be, and because God did step in, and He said He wanted us to have that freedom. He didn't want to create a world of robots, but yet on the other side of it, He still provided a way for us to have freedom, but to ultimately have. Absence of evil as well, yeah. You know, um, and, and so in a way, when, when and and I, yeah, I kind of feel like we're harping on atheists, but it just simply those who do not believe in God. Um, when they eliminate God, they eliminate the very answer to the problem of evil in Jesus, you know, and, and so. Um, th- it, they it kind of end up biting themselves
2: in that. And to some extent, we're both saying that evil comes from man. Mm-hmm. Atheists are saying there is no solution. Yeah. Other than maybe evolution. And and what we're saying is, if you look at the evidence for God, if you look at the the picture that is painted. And, and again, we're going to go on in, in the future topic and talk about more in depth about what the Bible says and why we can trust the Bible. And, and we're going to see that he really did, from the outset, create a solution. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's amazing how it all fits and how science and archaeology and Scripture all grow together. It's it's a really beautiful thing.
0: You got any last thoughts, Dustin?
2: I do. Just one quick one.
1: You're talking about what Jesus did and what God's plan was and all that stuff. I just can't help but think um, back to earlier when we talked about wars and why are wars fought for freedom. So really what's happened, because we understand that concept, I think, as people. We understand the idea of slavery. We understand the idea of fighting for your freedom and from oppression. Well, if we can look at it very easily as there, there was a war, and it was God, and he fought for us, and he sent Jesus for us. Jesus paid the sacrifice. He won the battle. Um gave us freedom. if We want it. Freedom's there for us. I just think that the problem is, is that people may not understand the who is enslaving them as themselves. If I need freedom, who do I need freedom from? And a lot of times it's just myself. Yep. And that's what God fought. God fought that war. Jesus fought that war. And it's available to us we had to realize who the who the ultimate enemy is who was the
0: troublemaker who was the bad guy in this situation who made the the evil choice yeah. we did we and did. i i like what what you just said a minute ago bobby about like both both spectrums in in, in whether you believe in god or you don't believe in god um we're the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're the ones that 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 came up with evil in a world where we're the ones that chose evil, um, whether it's we're a product of chance and just you know blah 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 evolution. I mean, it's just whatever. Well, we're the ones to do. I mean, we got nobody else to blame at that point. Um, or from a Christian worldview, we choose evil. We just we choose to do things our way instead of God's way. Uh, so we're le- we're we're in the same boat, you know. Uh, just we believe that that God that God has an answer for evil that He has a solution for evil. I think I'm going to land the plane. You ready to land the plane? We're ready it. to land the plane. Let's land it. Okay. I think what we have talked about this episode in landing the plane is basically um, does does evil exist? Yeah, it seems to it, it seems to be a a thing out there. Um, good, wrong, morality. Uh, we can look at that as we we were given a moral law. I think we we've kind of summed that up that it's an objective moral law, and because of that, it's it had to have been given to us from by someone outside of us. Uh, just like we can't create um, anything that we're experiencing, we we didn't. Um, create it in and of ourselves because we're living inside of it. It, it had to be given to us from the outside. Uh, like Michael Rue said, it's placed upon us. And uh, so there, there is this moral law, and we believe that it was created by uh, a designer, a creator who created the world and everything in it. And, uh, and that, that something good in God uh, made, made evil possible through giving us a choice and uh, and that we have the choice as humans to to obey to to obey that moral law uh to obey god or to choose to do our own thing uh, but that ultimately um the the problem of evil is going to be and has been solved um in you know in in god in jesus in the sacrifice that he made and uh man this was this was hard, um, and it was, you know, I hope, hopefully we'll, you'll listen to this a whole lot of times. I know we had to split this sucker up into a couple of episodes, but uh, thanks for hanging out with us <laughs> across multiple, uh, multiple episodes in the same kind of subject line, but uh, we appreciate it, and looking forward to the next um, episode that we're, we'll have hopefully here in a couple of weeks. Dustin, what, what else you got for us?
1: Man, I just know this starts conversations, and so in your house, if you're talking to each other about it, I mean, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's it's so interesting. So, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, just the engagement of talking about these types of things, the 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 process of working through it. It sh- it can be so enlightening just to have these conversations and stuff. So, um, I encourage you to have these conversations in your households. Have these conversations with friends. Have it with the. Uh, uh, a pastor, a church member, you know, whoever that you just but talk about these things, reach out to us. Y'all know how to get a hold of us through social media, Land the Plane uh, today, I guess, at most places. I'm trying to remember what it is. And y'all can land send the plane us an today email on Facebook and yeah. Instagram,
0: Land the Plane 247 on Twitter.
1: And uh, you can send us an email at landtheplane today at gmail.com. And we would love to talk to you about it too. So, uh, and really, we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear some testimony of 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 how this is going into your life, how you're absorbing it, how you're processing it, how you're feeling about it, or you know wherever you're at with the whole thing. We would love to to hear about that. And uh,
0: and you can also uh, get on Twitter with Bobby. He is Old Bear Forty Five. Yes, sir. That's yes. it. Old Bear Forty Five. And it's B E
1: A R. Not B-A-R-E. <laughs> yeah, we don't want him to
2: bear <laughs> No, you won't anything. get anything bear. <laughs> <We> <laughs> Not talked, that type
1: of bear. <laughs> talked about the importance of proper spelling. Yes. Old bear.
0: <laughs> Old bear 45. All Gentlemen, right, let's get out
1: of here. I, I just want to say thank you all for putting in the work on this one. Man, I'm glad I drew the short straw and had to <laughs> had to set out the prep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all
0: right. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thank you. See you soon.
0: Well, since you're still listening, I figure I'll let you in on a little secret. Sometimes dumb things happen in the Land of the Plains studios. Um, And uh, what you're about to hear is the sound effect that we just kind of inserted on our own as a little segue, uh, just so that we would have a kind of a place marker. But we just thought you you ought to listen to it. So thank you for being a loyal listener and listening all the way to the end. And here you go. You're welcome.
1: So tune in right now for part two. You're going to hear the little music. The plane's going to come back by, and we're going to take right where we left off.
0: All right.